This podcast contains conversations about trauma and other challenging subjects and may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you need resources to get help, please see the show notes. You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from drawntoastory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change, with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. And it's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you, the listener included. Now, we all know that parenting is one of the hardest, if not the hardest job there is. All families have their ups and downs. And I often hear parents joke about their win for the week was that their kids were fed and the cat didn't die. It's it's that kind of humour that people use to cope. People joke because it's a release at the end of a long week. And I get that. And that's, that's expected. But today is going to be a different conversation. It's a much harder conversation. What happens when the context of parenting changes and shit suddenly gets very real? Today, we're talking about parenting a child, children through trauma and what comes off that as a family. And all parents want to provide a nurturing home and life for their children. But realistically, the nature of human life is that things happen in ways that we'd never imagine that they would. And then we're left to deal with the consequences. So today's guest is a double expat, having moved from her home country of Germany to the UK and then to the US with her husband and two children where she has lived for the past 12 years. She has experienced the full range of expat ups and downs and above all, what it means to raise teenagers in an environment that is different to the one she grew up in herself in an increasingly complex world. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Kath. I was going to say I'm really looking forward to this, but I'm, I have very mixed feelings. <laughs> it's kind of the, the wrong thing to say, but yeah, um, yeah, it's you have to keep your sense of humour about yeah. things. And likewise, I was actually looking forward to talking to you, mm-hmm. but not because it's going to be a joyful conversation. But ever since we first spoke about you coming on the show, it felt like it was going to be a pivotal conversation. Mm. It's like when you go and see a film that's an amazing film but really hard watch and you don't you don't quite enjoy it but you know that something significant has happened and so I know the last few years for you have been extraordinary and for your family could you help the listeners understand and and share a bit about what's actually been happening in your lives as you mentioned before I'm a double expat so the main I think pattern in in our family is the moving that we have been moving a lot and we have been moving with children and then teenagers. That in itself is a huge challenge for any parent moving, even if it's within the country is a, is a huge challenge, moving children out of their known environment uh, with everything. And then as they get older, moving teenagers is huge. And we have done that a few times for all sorts of reasons. Uprooting children or teenagers always pulls the rug from under everyone's feet. Mm. Maybe more so teenagers than any other <laughs> other age. If you get moved around a lot, on the one hand, is great because sometimes being new somewhere means you can reinvent yourself. But at the same time, every move means you lose a lot. So loss and grief is part of my family's story really and recognizing that and coming through that is is huge so I would say the time that it started to become an issue was really when my oldest was about 14 15 and the younger one was 12 ish so that that sort of right at the beginning of puberty kind of thing yeah and that's when when things got difficult and that was a time of two moves in one year so that's the, the background in terms of a, a timeline. This is all me reflecting on it now. A lot of things I probably wouldn't have done had I known what was about to happen. Mm. But it's important to know that finding your identity 
and feeling safe and uh, rooted is very essential. And when that's not there, you have to kind of try and do it in many other ways, which mm. you kind of you do. As someone who's moved herself many times, I've always thought I had instilled this in my children, the kind of we are the family, we are um, we are your roots, wherever you go, mm. whatever environment you have. I've shown them to maintain relationships with people who are not in the same country, uh, mm. who live in a different time zone. They've seen me do all that. And um, so I kind of felt like, oh, we can do this moving thing as long as we keep some parameters the same and and show them that relationships are that's what makes you uh, belong that's fantastic advice in what we expect to be relatively expected circumstances but when things happen outside of that mm -hmm. that's when like bomb gets thrown into everything yeah. Yeah. also not everyone is the same and accepting that my children might see this differently and I thought I'd done what I could to guarantee that sense of oh they know who they are And then to see that it's not the case and things go off the rails is, as a parent, is, is quite a shock. Yeah. Also imagine quite confronting. We all know that things happen unexpectedly, but you, you yeah. pave the way, you, you've done it enough times to know that you feel like you can foresee any problems. Mm -hmm. And then I, it kind of hits. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, it, it hits. And I mean, it's, there's that. There's the kind of like, oh, and it's not like I'm always sat there thinking, oh, I'm doing a great job as a parent. Everything's just going swimmingly. And mm. um, I, you know, there couldn't be a better person. No, of course not. There's lots mm. of things that go on and, and you never know what, what hits you when puberty starts <laughs> anyway. No, so that's, but then throw in all these factors of, being new somewhere and mm. uh, not not knowing whether you're coming or going and um yeah that's where we where we were mm. when yeah things started to go go wrong yeah so what things did start to go wrong what are those things I'm not going to push you to say anything it's up to you yeah. completely what you want to talk about but I'm interested because I think a lot of people listening are in very similar mm -hmm. circumstances of moving mm -hmm. their children around the world, yeah. doing the best you can to instill that resilience in them, but also realizing yeah. how much their growing little bodies are and minds and souls and all that kind of stuff. So can you share a bit more? Absolutely. So after the, the last move, the last big one was where we left the US to go to the UK because I felt thought I wanted to move back to be closer to family. Mm -hmm. And then for all sorts of reasons, didn't work out the way we had hoped. And we came back to the US after a year. So mm -hmm. that's a, that was a huge one. And it, it threw our older one into a complete downward spiral. And uh, she developed, but had already started previously, but with hindsight, you always know, you're always like, mm -hmm. oh, why didn't I see those signs? Mm -hmm. She went into an eating disorder mm -hmm. and quite quickly deteriorated and um we it, it was that kind of like oh my god I can't believe we missed that but for her we kind of we got on it we found the the help we again thought oh we're doing everything you know here we we, we can in, in our power luckily had all sorts of facilities locally that we could use and and thought we were doing everything we could also for her younger sibling mm. and kind of didn't realize how different the two were in their sharing so the whereas the older one was would come took her a while but she'd come and talk and we would you know discuss and and then find solutions the younger one was keeping everything to themselves mm. yeah so kind of <laughs> went under the radar for a little while mm. well and also if you're your oldest you're dealing with her issues and what what she's mm -hmm. processing it can be hard yeah you, your focus is, is elsewhere understandably yeah. absolutely but you still because you know with with two children and you you always think you treat them the same way and you spend mm. equal time and and but I mean of course there were things that just we just didn't notice because we were so focused on on the older one mm. so Well, we kind of felt like we got that under control, the younger one went completely off the rails and having come back to the US to join middle school, which must be the most brutal environment you can be in. And this, this day and age, it always has been, has had a terrible reputation. People have horror stories from middle school, but especially in this day, day and age, 
Yeah, and also coming into that, it's different if you've gone through with everybody, yeah. but coming in fresh yeah. as a new person. As well. That again, completely underestimating the the situation. We had left the the elementary school, and then w- when we joined again uh, a year later, we we thought, oh, they'll know all the people because they were elementary school, mm-hmm. and yet a year at that age, that's like age twelve, can completely changed things and basically yeah they they started and people were like uh and who are you and why do you have a stupid accent and mm. and all this kind of stuff so yeah well, bully, bullying was huge and again they didn't really share for a while obviously also knowing that their sister was going through hell and then not wanting to burden us with any more a lot of stuff happened at the time I only worked part-time so I felt like I'm spending enough time to know what's going on with my children and I'm sure many many other parents feel that way and yet it's an awful lot that you miss as we all know and I'm sure you have things that you remember that you never mm. shared or never oh yeah there's no and I'm <laughs> absolutely exactly the same and you kind mm. of think wow I can't believe I missed that um, and so all sorts of things happened that we again also not having seen a lot of their peers grow up or there was lots of new kids as well. The influence that peers have on your children is immense. And even, you know, age 12, 13, I, I was completely shocked at what I heard from other, other kids, how they, mm. how they were, you know. And then you get parents say, oh, my, you know, my, my child, I, I'm not letting them go to that person's house because, yeah, I don't think they're good family, that kind sort of thing. And it's horrendous when you hear it and you kind of think, well, that's not fair you know Mm. every child deserves a you know that kind of conversations happen where around you you hear people talk about other students you don't wouldn't want to mix with them and that kind of thing and then all of a sudden I thought hey hang on I I hear those names again and again and did my child get you know mixed up with the wrong kids and then what are the wrong kids and I hate all that stigmatizing you know I I don't want to protect my children from the bad kids kind of person that's not Mm. my my way of parenting I want my children to go and and make friends and make good choices and you know get to know their friends and and not just keep them from everything and that's a thing I've, I've seen certainly here in the U.S. a lot where children are very protected and so for me it was a complete shock to realize uh, yes, there are really bad kids. I had kind of missed that there was uh, quite an influence there. And this is for someone who's new, doesn't know their way around really, or has been bullied badly. And then someone says, hey, you can be part of our group. Mm. Um, is probably very tempting. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I <laughs> would understand that completely. If you said that there were things you missed and they, they were very good at keeping stuff to themselves, how did you start to realise that something was not right what were the signs what did you start to realize first of all just in school academically where all of a sudden the grades drop you kind of think oh this isn't going too well and then having you know emails from teachers saying they weren't in class that day or had left early or you know things like that we're like hey you didn't tell me that what happened so a lot of kind of sneaky behavior where you're like as a parent you're like hey that's not okay you need to be in school and I'm dropping you off I know I need to know that that's where you are so a lot of um yeah missing class skipping Mm. class just behavior change really behavior change and and were you aware of why this was happening or was it just did you think they were just being a teenager well, it was part of that. First of all, you come from that angle. You're like, mm. hey, um, that's not okay. I'm your parent and I'm dropping you, go to school. It's kind of conversations that you you pick up from friends. Mm. So I would still make a real effort to have people around and pick them up somewhere mm. and take kids somewhere. So in the back of the car, that's where you learn a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's just kind of piecing things together and then, the, the thing that is a very controversial issue always mm. is going through my child's phone. And that's when it really, when it really hit us because mm. um, yeah, there's all sorts of messages, pictures, all sorts of things, conversations on there that it's like, yeah, the alarms just went off left, right and center. Yeah. Which as an adult, you can see that there's stuff going on that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And so this is ranging from, uh, sneaking out at night, having people 
meet them somewhere where they shouldn't be and all these kind of things and you you're like hey what what's going on here and um yeah mm. and what was going on I mean did did she verbalize those things to you no not really we then ended up um having well I, I, again I'm used to the way I grew up I always had people around mm. my house friends come and my parents were very open it just was normal for me to invite people around and say hey they can come hang out on a Friday night I'd much rather you hang out at my house than somewhere at the mall and at the time also I started to hearing to hear rumors about what happens in Mm. public uh, Mm. restrooms at the malls Mm. and that kind of thing so where it was like I don't really want you to go to the mall so we had people come around our house and I thought this is all fun and you know innocent and Mm. until it wasn't and I was so shocked because these are 13 year old kids I had even I told the parents hey they're at my house and I had everyone's phone number and names and said there's boys and girls um I'm gonna keep an eye on things but I'm here they're not on their own but I Mm. had to really intervene and these kids still managed to sneak in all sorts of things I clearly had said to them you know I'm trusting you here guys and they were like yes yes of course (laughs) thanks for having us you know super polite very smiley open kids but other stuff going on yeah and there's all that stuff going on and and then you know boy and girl sneaking off we have Mm. a had a a basement at the time where you could lock the door and so I'd go all the way down and and say hey that's not okay come out there Mm. and all these things and I'm like you know I've completely innocently thought they were just going to hang out (laughs) Mm, mm. um but it's a a it's a different generation and it's a different country and I completely underestimated what was going on my husband was much Mm. more like um I'm not sure this is a good idea he was traveling a lot Mm. at the time too and and I was like come on don't be don't be silly it's it's much better if they're at my house I know what's going on but clearly didn't really and um yeah so, but even at that point, I was like, okay, you know, lesson learned. We have to be a little bit more strict and they have to be, definitely have to be supervised. But then we all mm. know that teenagers who are supervised all the time are more extreme in whatever else they want to do. So to me, it just didn't make sense um, to just to just completely be there all the time. And, and yeah. it's like, no, they, they need to grow up and learn. And so what made you realize that this was more than just teenagers getting to know each other and exploring being together and all that kind of stuff yeah so they had my house meeting a few few Fridays uh in a row it seemed a like group of friends who had fun together and the so it was only natural that one of the the parents offered to have them around their house one day so of course I do that I take my child and drop them off mom comes out says hello introduces herself and yeah mm. she's going to be there everything's fine and so and so is coming as well so I ended up being this other boy so two boys and my child and then what I didn't know was then that the other mm. the boy left after half an hour and it was just this other boy and my child and basically so two 13 year olds he, he might have been 14 at the time with mom next door managed Mm. to do things Mm. that well my child certainly didn't want to do but didn't tell me I I went picked Mm. picked them up everything yep all smiley everything okay and then things started Mm. to go we started having there there were nightmares um then kind of kind of told me there was a little bit more happening than they they thought would happen and but at this point still no no real detail and no real kind of I'm really scared and I didn't want this to happen yeah sort of thing things just deteriorated drastically and uh and then I even had conversation with the with the the boy's mom and said Mm. hey um where were you Mm. (laughs) and they didn't think anything had had gone wrong with this and so this is the other thing that I think is as a parent you have to know that a your child won't tell you everything Mm. 
And also your child will just not know how to. No. And that I think is the main thing I've learned that, you know, I, I had all the conversations with my, with my children, you know, mm. um, never, you know, you have to protect yourself. Don't let a boy do stuff to you that you mm. don't want to happen. Your body is yours, yours alone, you know, all the conversations and you need to, you need to, to tell someone, but the main thing is like, don't let someone do something to you that you don't want mm. as a mom. And this is, well, if someone wants to do something to you, how can you, how can you fight it? You know, I was so shocked that that had happened, even mm. though I, as a parent, had thought I'd done all the, you know, the prep, you know, my, my husband had two, he's like teenage boys. They only have one thing, you know, on their minds. And, and I was always like, don't be silly. You can just be friends with, with guys too. And he was like, no, trust me. They only want one thing. So don't, don't let them basically you, you as a parent, you give them that advice. You just like, mm. don't let them, don't be alone with them, but basically don't let them. But if that's your child hears that and then it's like, well, but it happened because I, I let it or I couldn't fight it. I couldn't do anything against it. So I've mm. failed as mm. a child because my parents told me I shouldn't let this happen. But this is the thing, isn't it? It comes back to the whole, which we've talked about before, that whole social conversation around <sighs> who actually should be taking responsibility for themselves. And that actually mm -hmm. it should be the, mm -hmm. the guys that are having these conversations mm -hmm. as well with their parents. And, and I was thinking that when you were talking about the other parent and thinking how whether her attitude would have been different if her child wasn't the boy. Right. <laughs> and whether <laughs> so much. Absolutely. And then also yeah. culturally, I, I wanted to ask you about the impact of parenting these kind of experiences, the cultural differences from mm -hmm. just from you being a different nationality and, and mm -hmm. different background than to actually the culture of a particular US state mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to some another one, like all those levels of influences of oh, absolutely. American culture as well over your own or your, your own yeah. family culture. Yeah. There are so many nuances in this that, that play a role here, but mm -hmm. the main thing really being, I mean, for me as a parent is, is to know that I haven't given my child a, an option here to, come to me and, and, mm. and say this that's really in a way that well, yeah and, and this is that must be hard to look at yeah yeah it's it's so so hard because you think oh my god I thought we had all the conversations mm. how you know how could you not and of course and she that then later on it's like well I couldn't this guy is he was big I was scared also it's like how in that situation you're at someone's house mm. mom is next door you don't know you're a 13 year old girl you don't necessarily scream for no, help no right you wouldn't because you're like you someone's it's just kind of putting yourself in that situation where you're like oh my god mm. what is happening here I don't really want this to happen but what choice do I yeah. have and no one knows how they're going to react under those circumstances either absolutely mm. absolutely and all all they said later was I, I was so scared mm. he was just so strong and so that even then, when we actually much later, much, much later, when everything had come out, and this is, I'm talking months later, mm. it took months for all this to come out, much more, you know, self-harm, all these kind of things and the nightmares and they're not sleeping and the, the you know, panic attacks and flashbacks and what have you. Um, and we did end up going to, to the police to report mm. it. And basically they said, well, you didn't say no. Mm. <laughs> Wow. You didn't fight or you didn't fight and you didn't scream. That's terrifying, and you isn't didn't it? say no. And this is the most terrifying thing. And basically, if had this boy been older, the story would have been very, very different. But mm. because they were both minors with no witnesses, and it's absolutely shocking. That I was just thinking about that, that an absence of saying something is still considered a yes. Yeah. The most important topic here is the topic of consent. Yeah, absolutely. And that is coming back to what you said earlier about different cultures and, and all that kind of thing. Mm. And it's really shocking, isn't it, when you think about it? That, but just gendered how it's stacked mm -hmm. up. So, yeah. like, what more yeah. do girls and women have to do? Yeah. Yeah. Say, just get the fuck away. Like, just leave me alone. Allow me to just exist like you exist. Yes. And even, I mean, it's it's been one of those things. I mean, I, I know for a fact that um, consent is not something that they get taught in, in schools, not in Texas. 
not in Texas. It's such a mm. it's such a difficult topic. Even though I don't think it's that difficult, and um, I like to always uh, have you have you seen the um, consent is like a cup of tea YouTube um, video? Yeah. Oh yes, that wonderful yeah. British. Yes, I'll it's, put that up actually. The show notes. Yes, That's very, very, it's, very it's good. It's so simple, really. It is, and it. But yeah. when it's put in the concept of tea, it just makes so much sense. It makes like so it's much really sense. clear. Yeah. But it's like, shouldn't it be that you teach boys and girls, anyone, you know, anyone that consent mm. means that mm. someone actually says, "Yes, I want to do this." Yeah. Everything else is not consent. It's just no. th- this is the, the 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 one thing that you need to you need to take away from this is like you mm. have to have. Someone look you in the eye and say, absolutely, go ahead. Um, I'm happy to do this. But anything else, if that doesn't Mm. happen. And so then I'm just kind of, and this is not that I want to protect this boy or or explain his behavior, but Mm. I think a lot of kids just don't, don't even think about that. And this is like 14, 13, 14 year old boy. who's like, oh, wow, I've got this girl here. They were watching um, some TV thing that had sex scenes in it. So she yeah. told me this after, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And he just thought, mm. "Oh, that's enough. That's consent." She's that's like, enough. "Oh, she's up for it." Yeah, yeah. And this is just terrifying. It is, and it's. I mean, there's no obviously no condoning no. what he did, but at the same time, he's growing up in a context of <sighs> yeah. girls are available, all mm-hmm. the movies, all the TV, mm-hmm. everything shows that this is what your right is to do this, and. And that's actually, why would you expect anything else like from a yeah. child growing up? Yeah. That's what they're being presented with other than like parents who are doing, trying to do the educating and saying, this is not right. Yeah. So, and this is the, the, the thing and the, the shocking thing about the, this, talking to these, these other parents and then going, well, our son knows what respect is mm. and, you know, and um, well, it, it sounded like uh, it was all consensual. Mm. And now that the police also then said, well, there is, a, a, the age of consent in Texas is 17. Anything under that is non-consensual. But also, the, uh, if you're under 14, there is no consent. You cannot consent. Even if, basically, my child had said, yes, do it, it you're would not old enough still to. not be consent. We didn't ever interact with the parents again because mm. we were like, well, let's just go to the police and and yeah. let them deal with it. But basically, they just they said to us, we can't. There's nothing we can do. He's minor, and mm. there's no one uh, who heard her say no. Mm. And so that's that. And they went round and said, this is you know, there've been someone has reported this, mm. and they were obviously like, well, no, I did nothing wrong. Yeah. And then we tried to because then my child started saying, well, I'm not the only one he's done this to you and then you you realize the extent of of what's going on in that age group in the U.S. but not only in the U.S. and this is when you know you just you just it's everywhere all of a sudden then you hear a story about um kids being at a party and they're the boys locking or one boy just casually mentioning that he would just stand at the door make sure no one went in the room because Mm. his friend was in there with this girl and these are like these are young mm. kids. Outrageous and... behavior. It. I mean, you look at also the university, the colleges, and all the. Oh yeah, it's, you have all the. You have yes, all that, all the Me Too stuff. I mean, it, it's all the Me Too, and it's and it's everywhere. It's in the. It's in the media. It's mm. you see it in. I mean, I, I just finished watching um, Netflix show called Anatomy of a Scandal. Mm-hmm. It's just on Netflix now. It's, it's all about consent. Mm. It's fascinating. I mean, I can't. I couldn't let my my child watch it. It'd be too triggering. But it's all about that. It's exactly about that. Mm. So, how do you validate your child's concerns and fears and emotional reactions and all of this stuff when socially and culturally so much is stacked against you? Like you're in that environment. How do you yeah. start to deal with that on an emotional level and actually? feel like you're being the parent that you want to be as well as like allowing them to exist in the society yeah so do, you have that very difficult situation of of having a, a teenager who a doesn't trust anyone anymore mm. including you know parents and uh, doing rebellious teenage behavior and also starting to be to to do risky things like trying out drugs that sort of stuff yeah. and because they don't care anymore about anything no, I was going to say the traumas influence. Everything is just like yeah. the trauma is yeah. there. The trauma is there. I talked about self harm earlier, and it's just like you. It's really difficult to see how your child kind of stops valuing mm. 
themselves. And all you can do as a parent is just love them and love them mm. and love them and just tell them all mm. the time. And, you know, reaffirm all the time. treatment mm. and reaffirming that it's, uh, it's not mm. their fault. Mm. But at that age, it's just, it's something that's really, really difficult to, um, to get through. Because when something like that happens at such a young age, it's, it just has such an impact on everything else. And it just keeps going on. So then it's like next, like relationships, because that's the age when you start then having boyfriends and girlfriends. So lo and behold, the next boyfriend was abusive too. Oh, poor thing. And now that's, Mm. and that's like when you're like, okay, this is really clearly that my child is has no kind of sense of what um what they deserve mm. yeah and the, the suffering is very is evident and it's heartbreaking to see and so um they published some something on their instagram basically uh, this is months and months later just saying I, i've got to say something this guy is is now harming other people and i know this because i've you know, I've heard people tell me and like compare notes and all that kind of thing. So she posted something about this guy and then the effect of this and the, the amount of people who came out of the woodwork and said, Oh my God, yeah, I've, I've heard this or it's happened to me, but still no one goes and reports it. No one goes and reports Mm. it. And this is, this is the the saddest fact. And um, I mean, it's not only in, in that age group, this goes all the way up to, you know, grown women. The, the number of, of people not reporting incidents is so high. And this is, and there's so many mm. more, but, and again, this is, this is parenting in, in the States and in, in mm. Texas, especially where people are so scared of, of talking to their parents about seeing things like sex and yeah. Well, it's not, it's a, it's life. We don't talk about it. It doesn't happen. happen. Yes. And there's certain things that you don't even, yeah, it's just not, not talked about. And it's like, if you don't get it from, from school, then you don't get it from home. What the hell? But, but it's really odd because these are the states that also say, if we talk about being gay, then it's going to make you gay. Like you can't, you can't have it go both ways. It's like, there's this twisted idea of, and, and kids are suffering. And absolutely. And it's so impossible to get that through and I'm yeah having grown up in in Germany where there there is sex education at every level at, at, you know mm. in when when kids are very young and just kind of yeah I had it all the way through school learning yeah, to talk about your body and and all that kind of thing it's just mm. it's it's just normal for me to see that kids have such a warped idea of what's okay and what isn't Mm, learning what health healthy boundaries are and, and actually that your body is there to be enjoyed by you but also by other people when you yeah. allow it and all so that and that's the, the the rude awakening I had really was as a as a European parent you have to there's some things you just really mm. need to address if you if you live mm. in the US and I'm sure there's other countries where it's even even more extreme yeah. but um and yet all these kids have um have access to social media and the internet and so the influence from that side I mean that's a whole other other topic but it's warped everyone's um, perception of what's what's actually okay and what isn't I was thinking it, when you're doing your research as a family to you get a posting and you go to another country mm-hmm. this wouldn't be something that you'd be thinking about as no. one of your key <laughs> things like it no. this has been like massively transformative in in a difficult way but also mm-hmm. probably in in that you've grown through it all as well I imagine mm-hmm. but but it's had massive impact on your family oh and completely yeah is it something that families consider I mean is it something I would be interested to know when families move countries and choose their new their new countries mm-hmm. is this something that's even on their radars to to consider it should be definitely mm. should be I think I mean there is more um awareness in general I think when you went like these days you move countries you do a lot more research and I would assume yeah. most family families do that um it, what your you know host country is going to be mm. like um mm. and I mean I'd heard stories from friends from my circle of friends uh, about 
who'd done a, like an exchange year in the US back mm. in the like 90s, <laughs> you know, and they, the, some of their stories were pretty horrific to me as a, um, you know, about like blowjobs were the norm because that's not sex. So you, yeah. you do blowjobs. You're not, you're not allowed to lose your virginity, but you can do blowjobs. But you can do blowjobs. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. But uh, on the legal, um, in a legal sense, that is rape too. Yeah. Well, it's a sexual act, isn't it? Forcing yeah, someone to do absolutely. something. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of stuff like that, that, I mean, not only does consent need to be taught, but also the whole legal implication needs need mm. to be taught because no one knows um, unless you go to the police and they explain it to you and you're like, oh. Yeah. And also a sense, a cultural sense that if mm. something happens to you, mm-hmm. you feel to be able to report it, that you're going to be believed that there's a system there to protect you. Like yeah. in this country, yeah. they'll have, liaison officers and things that who who do this yeah work but if you keep it to yourself because all the stuff that comes in but then also on top of that is I'm going to have to relive this and go through all this and all I want to do is just forget it the system's not set up so it's not no it's not and it's just it's and as as we can see again and again in the in the media it's just so set up for in favor of the male and it's I mean, it's such a generalizing thing to say. And I know that, you know, abuse happens the other way around too, but but it's just the, the fact that it's, and I looked this up somewhere, uh, it's really the females between the ages of 12 to 19 are four times more likely to be victims of rape wow. or sexual assault. Um, this is just, that's the, and mainly because that's if you think how how hard it would be for a grown woman to go to the police and report it, but let think yeah. of a thirteen year old girl, fourteen year old girl, they mm. don't even they don't know how to do this. No, and they shouldn't. This is the awful thing. It's like they they haven't got the skills to mm. be able to to verbalize to start to talk yeah. about what happened and and to kind of do this. Yeah, but also they shouldn't have to. Like they, they're of mm. an age where. The, the fact that it even happens is horrendous. Yeah. But- oh, it, it is. Well, my daughter basically left school mm. around that time. There was all sorts of other stuff happening with, with her. It was just, mm. and we, we switched to online learning. And this was also at the beginning of the, the pandemic. So it kind of, everything went online anyway. So yeah. it kind of was that good timing. <laughs> that was almost yeah. like a good timing for us. But yeah. last uh, winter, group of, of girls in the high school you uh, organized a walkout is what they mm-hmm. call it here where they s- left class and they rallied and they did a protest around school about uh sexual harassment and rape on campus and also because more cases had come up and mm. it was crazy how many were talking about their stories and their experiences really? openly mm. and they kind of felt they'd found this okay this is a platform to do this and it was mm. It was astounding. It was amazing. Also, the reaction of peers and parents. Yeah, probably eye-opening for a lot of people. Absolutely eye-opening. Mm. And um, yeah, and parents who said, "Oh, I, I had no idea this had happened to my child." And this mm. is, and this is again reinforcing that. I mean, when mm. when my my child came out with this, made a post and accused this boy, mm. I had a couple of people address me and say I I've never told anyone this happened to me when I was Mm. that age and I never ever told anyone up until you know just told you yeah another mom said they showed their daughter her daughter the 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 article and said I'll read this this reminds me of your friend so-and-so who went through a they tried to go to the police about something and she said her daughter just looked at her and was like I can't read this and then the mom said oh did this happen just did something like this happen to you and the daughter was just nodding and this is like the mum was like how why have you not told me and this is exactly this Mm. and I mean of course it's not limited to to the US and we like Mm. within weeks of this the article my daughter's article I wrote an article about it too came out one of my husband's colleagues called him and said I'm sorry I can't come to the office the next few days I'm home my my daughter just came back from a music festival mm. days later one of her friends called home and asked how the daughter was doing and mm. I was like what do you mean she's um well you know she's still exhausted whatever from the and he said oh no the other thing um, it's like what would you more other thing this is like four mm. days later yeah turned out that the daughter had been raped at the festival Wow. Mm. Came home, chucked all her, you know, tent mm. and clothes in the wash and 
you know, got on with it. Didn't mm. never said a thing. It's just it's just horrendous when you think about the internal trauma that girls yeah. and and there are guys. I mean, that does happen the other way, but girls yeah. particularly that they're internalizing this stuff yes. and the long term damage that it does to yeah. kids. I mean, what from all of your experiences? What's I know this is like massive social systemic level of change mm-hmm. but what are your ideas about how we actually start to really tackle this horrendousness it's uh, at every level so it's a it's um as parents let's not be complacent mm. let's just tell the kids how it is mm. let's not think that just by telling them not to let things happen to them and you know always speak up mm. don't assume that's enough so, so be specific. So be you have detailed. to be much more. You have to be much more specific, and um, you know, give them the like resources if they just tell them, hey, if you can't talk to me, talk to mm. this person. Just mm. be very realistic, and yeah. although they are pretty realistic themselves, and that's also a very sad thing to mm. see how because they all know everyone knows someone if it hadn't mm. hasn't happened to themselves they know someone who's yeah, something true. like that has happened to yeah but yeah being very proactive and then it's the the whole uh the subject of consent mm. has to be has to be part of the conversation from a from a young age mm. and um and that has to happen in school too yeah i i really think it needs to happen in in school it needs to happen when you you hear it and everyone else hears it too. Yeah, it's not enough if it's just you. It needs to be yeah. normalized that this is yeah. what the go is. Mm. But it's I mean, from a coming back to the the parenting point, it's like I I witnessed on I don't know whether it was in in London or somewhere where that family was sat and the girl there was spaces you know around the the cabin and the the girl mm. had to sit or the mom said oh you don't sit over there and it was a man sat next to the girl mm. and the little girl just looked at the man sat down looked at her mum and said I don't want to sit here mum mm. I don't want to sit next to this man mum mm. and the mum was like oh absolutely you don't have to sit next to this man come here and we'll, we'll swap mm. Mm. and just be very I totally validate that yeah. you don't feel safe there mm. and basically didn't say like so many others would, oh, come on, there's only two stops. You just, you know, just keep your mouth shut. This is fine. But actually yeah. letting the girl decide this yeah. is not where I want my body to be um, and allowing her that that's totally fine. Yeah. And that she's felt whatever she feels in her body and validating that as real. And and I was like, yes, this is it. This is what we need to see. We yeah, need to see the, you know, the, the, we need to see little kids at family gatherings, not having to kiss auntie so-and-so. Mm, <laughs> we mm. need to see that when they don't want to do it to mm. just be, that has to be okay. And parents yeah. need to be very much like, yep. This is your boundary. Yeah. It has to be accepted. Yeah. Even, even as a parent, I can't yeah. just go and 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 grab my child and and, no. and kiss them. And if, mm. if they if they say that's too much, I don't want this, we have to respect yeah. it. And this is does it so it starts at a very young yeah. age, and very early. Also, I was gonna say nothing to do with um sexual abuse or any of that mm. kind of stuff, but just kids who are neurodivergent, who can't cope with sense the sensation of touch or oh yeah, don't like being hugged or whatever yeah. those things are. Like it it regardless of all of these issues that we're talking about, to me it's about consent of a person's body that absolutely their body is their sacred space. And yeah. I mean I remember um I used to belong to a community group and there was this guy that always wanted to hug me. And mm-hmm. I was the last thing I wanted to be hugged by this guy. I just yeah. really and he'd come up and go oh go on like you have a hug and I'm like no mm-hmm. just and he said go yeah. on I'm like no I said just yeah. I do not want to hug but you have to be quite strong to make that happen and actually, yeah and it's unfortunate that you have awkward. to be strong yeah and then you should it, you... just be able to say no and it should be there should be other people especially if we talk about kids there should be other people with authority who validate it and say yeah no, exactly. that's okay yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think, I think, and I hope this is happening more now. There's more awareness and the whole Me Too movement and everything. All these mm. things are coming, coming out, but it's still, it, there's still so much to be done. And um, mm. yeah, I just, I just wish girls didn't have to go through all this. We just have to be aware that there's so much danger out there and it's still, the law is still 
Mm. There's so much gray zone. Yeah. But I think what we can do as parents, um, and like you said, boys and girls, mm. uh, is just teach them how to set boundaries mm. and learn what they what they want and don't want and speak mm. up. And I mm. think this this is a, a really fundamental thing. Mm. I don't want to hear this again and again mm. from, from people who say, oh, I just, it was easier to just go along with it. And this is this is another thing. There's a, a documentary that was made in 2020 in Texas, actually, where um, documentary um, team followed, I think, three 14, 15-year-old girls. And this is Texas. This is it's called Cusp. And it's basically following them one summer. And it's, I mean, it's, oh, they ask them, to describe themselves, who they are, what they, the one girl says, oh, I don't know how to describe me. I'm not an adult, but I'm not a kid anymore. And then they talk about boys and hanging out with boys and girls, parents didn't necessarily know. And then someone kind of says, yeah, well, you can always tell somebody no, but they're still going to do. Still, regardless. Mm. And then one girl says, well, girls are scared to say no. And the documentary maker says, why? Guys are powerful. And then all the girls are like, yep, it's yeah. easier to just let them do whatever they do. It's, mm. it's, and this is just chilling, absolutely chilling. That's really scary because they've just resigned their, their selves to the fact that it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Like they've even lost that. Or maybe they never even had it, that, that yep. belief that it's worth trying to fight back. Or maybe their friends have told them that it happened to them too. And they're like, mm. well, what are you going to do? And then you go to police and they're not going to do anything. Yeah. So what's and the, the be- point? Let's yeah. just... That, and that's what you expect as the status quo. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just, that's just the, and, and the the boys either just know that they can get away, get away with stuff or they never actually learn that what they're doing is wrong. No. And this is the, the other thing. I, I don't think, I mean, coming back to our story, I don't think the boy, he probably really thought he wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. You obviously don't know what's gone on inside no. the home when you're not there, but that if he just says, oh, no, I didn't, and then the mum and dad are, oh, okay, and, and that's that. Yeah. Uh, this is something I wanted to ask you about. Potentially a parent's refusal to see something, like I'm not saying this mm-hmm. is the case, but just as an example, yeah. that, that, that a parent's potential refusal to see the, I don't know, to see the awfulness in the act of their child, mm-hmm. like that they would never mm-hmm. think that they would do this. And I was thinking that there can be a denial there, but then that has a massive damage on their child as well Mm -hmm. as then other people and and then as a parent for your position I was thinking how trauma you know you're just going about your day trying to do your own thing and bring Mm -hmm. up kids and live a good life and all that kind of stuff but trauma has a way of going straight to the source of your own Mm -hmm. wounds and Mm -hmm. I was wondering how you've managed like did it trigger stuff within you that you've had to deal separately to supporting your child like how we don't know what's going to trigger us and what our issues are often until something happens like this and and how how you work out what the layers are are you oh yeah <laughs> all of that because like you said at the beginning the impact that this have on, has on your parenting and real you yeah. makes you question everything and I've just, i just i want to be very clear i'm not saying that in any kind of blame or anything but just these situations how do you parent your child reflect on it and still come out healthy and happy and and not like be too hard on yourself yeah that's a it's a great question and I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah because absolutely it uh you as a parent it's second nature to feel guilty for everything everything mm. that happens to you and your children and it's just it's it takes therapy to get through that and to work through guilt and feelings of guilt mm. and blame and all that kind of stuff but yeah it definitely triggers things in your own like trauma your child's trauma and going through mm. that and and working through that definitely has brought up things in my own mm. past and um my own relationships and realizing how I am very bad at setting board and boundaries as well mm. for myself and then reflecting back on my upbringing, my how my parents parented me, and then now that's going back, you know, another uh, few decades where you're like, okay, well, that was a different time. But all this stuff mm. where I said trying to teach my children to um, 
you know, say no to physical touch with people. And yeah. I think I think yeah. back to all the family gatherings and things where I wasn't, mm. you know, I, oh God, I had we had this, you know, family friend who insisted on kissing me on the mouth. Oh no. And my sister when they were oh. yes. I mean, can you imagine this in this day oh. and age? With yeah. my and me kind of just going absolutely rigid and, and avoiding mm. this person for as much as I for as, as often as I could, but being a good mm. girl and yeah, no doing one, it despite, yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't, and but I, I felt like, well, that's um, yeah, I can't, I can't tell this person no, and it's horrific. Mm. And then I kind of felt like, hmm, that's only kind of come out when we went through all this. We're like, yeah, mm. this was that was not okay. Those things come back to you, and you're like, oh, yeah. That was so wrong. I wasn't aware of it. Now I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely need to should have taught my my kids, you know, that that sort of thing is not okay. Mm. But have I? And then you question everything. But that's what I'm saying. Like this is one of the things I would say to everyone now, just really, really reinforce that the boundaries in you in yeah. your kids. Because every child's different. Some some kids just don't have that sense at all. So you have to help them. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe put them in situations or kind of, you know, mm. play through scenarios where you're like, Help well, them. Yeah. because I felt like we didn't have the, any scenarios to kind of practice behavior on. We didn't need to. So you 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 don't even think about those situations. No. One thing that, that's coming up as you're saying this is what makes me think about is the way that kids are brought up now. Mm. There's so much of this for a lot of parents, at least. And I see it when I'm out and about where the child is given so much choice about mm-hmm. what they do or don't do or mm-hmm. whether they eat this or that or would you like this or and like there's a role of being a parent where actually sometimes the child just has to do what a parent wants yeah. and yeah getting that balance of like spoiled little child that thinks they're a princess to yeah like yeah making sure that the child feels validated and safe in their body I mean that's oh. such a hard job. it is the hardest and then Parenting your child through trauma while maintaining that balance is is even worse because you, uh, yeah, it's kind of sometimes I look at I look at my child mm. and I'm like they are just, and this is, sounds really really horrible, they're just milking this now, you know, just to get away with things. Well, that's the teenage behavior. Isn't is, it? Then like, the ha- teenage behavior, and the, you're like, yeah, the balance I, of support, where and, do and I, discipline? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And then, or, or you know, people we have like family members witnessing some behaviors, and they're like, "Well, you should just. I don't want to interfere, mm. but you should." And then I have to be like, "I'm sorry, my child has gone through horrific yeah. trauma, and there's some you know things child. Mm. I just cannot parent them the way I would other, you know, no." You've all lived this together as a family. You know yeah. what your child's yeah. going through. You know what you're going through, and Absolutely. and actually, you have to pick your fights. I, I I would guess, and but there is that level of teenagers are teenagers, and yeah. they're very good at pushing boundaries, and they're going to push them. Yeah, and I guess it's about you knowing that they're yeah. pushing them, so and allowing them to push them. Still, for us as parents, it's like yeah, teach them about consent, about boundaries, mm. and don't think your child isn't capable of doing bad stuff. Mm. And this is the other mm. thing where a lot of parents are like, well, my child wouldn't ever. And this is mm. a conversation that happens again and again. And you hear this everywhere mm. where it's like, well, no, not my child. My child wouldn't do this. And yeah. we're like, no, you can't be above that. You have to, they will, they will mess up and they will do stupid stuff. Sometimes it's just, uh, yeah, lack of information, yeah. lack of parenting. And then um, we can't keep them away from, the internet and social media but no. I one thing I think I would say and it might be very controversial and I like, just try and keep keep them away from porn for as long as you can mm. what they have access to is not is not good there's been a lot of talk here mm. in the UK and reports and things done about the access to porn mm-hmm. and how much of that impact that has mm-hmm. on particularly on boys mm-hmm. on thinking that that's a normal sexual practice mm-hmm. when actually it's like fantasy end yes. rather than a healthy sexual relationship. Yeah. And this comes, I mean, sometimes this, this comes up in like, have you, have you seen euphoria? No, but it comes up in that where they, uh, this couple has sex and the boy is trying to strangle the girl, <laughs> you know, not, not trying to say, but as part of the, and the girl's like, what the hell are you doing? I don't like this. Yeah. And the boy's like, no. oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's super nice. You know, it's like, I thought that's what I was expected to do. And it's like, oh my God. And you just, and you just watch it and you think, yeah, that's exactly. Highlights the ludicrousness of where we're at. Yeah, that's a whole other topic of conversation. It's like, oh my goodness, there is so much that they 
have access to at yeah. such a young age when they're not their brains are just not able to process any of it and if they're watching it in secret yeah. then they're not having a healthy conversation yeah. around yes. it so i mean here Absolutely. in the uk there's a program on tv called naked attraction mm-hmm. um and i don't know if you know it but basically there's four booths that people stand in mm-hmm. completely naked and there's someone on the outside mm-hmm. choosing who they want as their partner and it's purely based on their bodies yeah. and then they're naked and the idea is that it's basically like a dating program but you start naked and then you, you yeah. have your date clothed yeah. it's so good at normalizing yes. bodies yeah. because you see anything and everything and mm-hmm. from my perspective it's certainly done an awful lot of good for me with body image and just seeing what people are attracted to and different kinds of bodies and bodies that aren't this idea of whatever they think perfection is and all of that. It's fantastic. Something like that. It's I don't think imaginable here in the U S but at the same time, isn't it awful that we have to have those programs so that people could see it? Because I, I kind of feel like when, when I was growing up in, you know, it's obviously you talk about stuff with your friends, but not everything and you don't actually know. And then I think you don't really know what other people look like down there no, and um no. or what's you know how you how you're supposed mm. to kiss or whatever you mm. just kind of cobble it together and then um and now mm. it, I feel like everything is is a standard and and an expectation that's that's just there and for everything and it's like mm. it just ruins it's ruining a whole generation of 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 kids Oh God, it's so damaging. And, but so that's, yeah, that's one thing. A, just know that your, your child and the statistics say, I mean, boys especially will see porn before the age of 11, 12, somewhere. And you just have to know that that's what they're doing. And and don't, don't assume that they're not because they will, even if you don't allow it at home or you have every control, they will have access to something somewhere. And some schools in, in Germany, for example, they will talk about that sort of thing mm. they I don't know mm. how the limitations are in terms of what you can watch in school and what you can't but it's certainly helpful to as you say yeah this is happening and everyone sees it mm. but let's talk about this culturally Germany's so different I mean I remember with going traveling um when I was mm. in my early 20s and you're staying in youth hostels and it was always the European women and particularly the Germans who would just get dressed in front of yeah. everybody completely yeah. naked. And it was the Brits and the Australians and the Americans like, that were hiding yeah. their clothing. Yeah. And it just, it's a much healthy, healthier thing to, to talk about all this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. before you go, the last question I want mm-hmm. to ask you was how are you establishing a more positive future with your family for you, for your kids, for your husband? Like, how are you feeling about the future and just moving forward really um well as I said before you can do is love them and tell them yeah that you love them regardless and just kind of reinforce that that Mm. you are always there and you always have their back and they're not a bad person you know but it's talking about things and Mm. um and knowing that it's not you're not inherently bad or a failure or that kind of thing Mm. so it's 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 trying to parent like that Mm. um we were very lucky that we got um therapy early on for everyone you know with all their Mm -hmm. different issues and stuff and I would say um because I know a lot of parents are opposed to therapy as well Mm. but I Mm. think I mean for us it's been very helpful it's not easy finding a a good therapist but what Mm. I feel it has taught us as a family and my children for their future is that you can get help and talking Mm. about things helps and so they have that they know that they don't have to be in a in a position where they are suffering and they don't have anyone to talk to. And if they can't, they know that if they can't talk to me or, you know, my husband or their sibling, there is professional help and they can say that they need it. That's something that I, at least I know they have learned from this. Mm-hmm. I, I really want mm-hmm. to acknowledge your generosity with, with talking mm-hmm. about your experiences and also to thank your your family mm-hmm. publicly because I know it was a family decision for you yeah. to, to come onto the podcast um and I really want to acknowledge that and I just hope that if anybody's going through something similar that your words of experience will help them um and and help them just to feel seen mm-hmm. and also that they're not 
the only ones going through something like this. no they're not the only ones and and it does help to share and I'm you know I'm more than happy to if someone wanted to reach out and um you know talk about this or ask just vent yeah. I'm yeah more than happy to yeah yeah to be okay. there for them fantastic that's th- thank you so much I will put a range of resources in the uh the mm-hmm. show notes but if anyone is interested in taking up um stephanie's offer then please do let me know and i can put you in touch if need be but thank you so much and i i wanted to wish you particularly (laughs) well into the future but also your your daughters and your husband and i hope that you all continue to to heal together yeah yeah we're we're definitely trying to do that and um yeah it's a it's a journey (laughs) well parenting is it never never stops um yeah well, thank you so much, Kath, for having me and asking some really great questions. This is exactly the reason for this podcast is to mm-hmm. have these, these important conversations. So thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. And to you, my listeners, if you would like to receive podcasts like this straight into your email inbox, then go on to drawntoastory.com and you can sign up for the mailing list where you will receive these Uh, directly to your email plus other information and offers about everything that happens at Drawn to a Story.